In Control's dreams it is early morning, the sky deep blue with just a twinge of light. He is staring from a cliff down into an abyss, a bay, a cove. It always changes. He can see for miles into the still water. He can see ocean behemoths gliding there like submarines or bell-shaped orchids or the wide hulls of ships, silent, ever-moving, the size of them conveying such a sense of power that he can feel the havoc of their passage, even from so far above. He stares for hours at the shapes, the movements, listening to the whispers echoing up to him, and then he falls. Slowly, too slowly, he falls soundless into the dark water without splash or ripple, and keeps falling. Sometimes this happens while he is awake, as if he hasn't been paying enough attention, and then he silently recites his own name until the real world returns to him. This has been the opening passage from Jeff Vandermeer's Authority, the second book in his Southern Reach trilogy, the sequel to Annihilation. I am Jason Squamata, here for uh, Book Circle Online, and this is the Book Circle Authority edition. From the Library of Maria Menounos, this is Book Circle Online, featuring in-depth discussion, insight, news, and commentary on all the world's leading book titles and their authors. And now, Book Circle Online. Yes, uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Book Circle Online. I am Jason Squamata. I am here with my ravishing co-hosts. Pat Janowski. Mark Savage. And Kate Finker. And uh, we are here um, to uh, to examine a book called Authority by Jeff Vandermeer. Um, do we have some thoughts on Authority, Pat? Who's really in charge? Oh God! Who <laughs> is really in charge? <laughs> well, that's a good question in general, and uh, and a very pertinent question in regards to this book. It's one of my thoughts on Authority. Right. What about you, Mark Savage? Oh, um, well, for me, I, I like the development uh, of this book, how the, the story moves on from the first book, taking some of the um, the kind of botanical horror mm. of the first book, throwing in this kind of um, almost metaphysical detective work that right. our hero does. That's something like um, the Paul Oster's books, the, the New, York, New York Trilogy, that, uh, that book, right. kind of chasing... His own tale in the circle yeah. with all these documents around him, and then this kind of um, office politics, this kind of resentful office politics that's straight from Dilbert. Yeah, it's this this nice melange, except right. so much creepier. Uh huh. Dilbert's Dilbert's pretty angsty though, isn't it? Yes. Well, have you ever read Dilbert in the bathtub with all the lights out except a little flashlight? You know, I haven't. Well, Jason. I think you. It's depressing. Well, you don't have to now. Is it, is. it about time? <laughs> it's about time did. you did. So, uh, for you folks at home who have no doubt read and loved this book, uh, just a little primer. It, yes, it is uh, a metaphysical detective story of sorts, where after the sort of um, inversion of the adventure story that we experienced with Annihilation. Mm -hmm exploring this, you know, lost kingdom or this, you know, kingdom that has just found itself and is running rampant through our physics, you know, and people losing their minds and losing their identities. And, and losing their bodies. And losing their bodies, yes. And uh, and I love the hmm. term, Mark, that you used, uh, botanical horror. I think that that should get circulated more because I mm -hmm. think, uh, and, I, and this came up when we, when we talked about Annihilation, that, 
you know, Lovecraftian is the easy way to sign off on this sort mm-hmm. of fiction, but that's actually not what's what's happening. It's someone with a very um a very firm grasp on the like horrors of the natural world that uh-huh. you don't Florid. Florid. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you don't need to confabulate them too much. You just it, it's just as soon as you start um ascribing intent to the savagery of nature, then suddenly, I mean, it's... <laughs> all bets are off. All bets are off. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, rather than some valiant dragon slayer, you know, hurtling towards some great darkness, you are, you... You have hundreds of rabbits being herded towards a little hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and to what end? To yeah. what end? So is the answer to your question, who has authority? Yes. Nobody. Nobody. Is Nobody. that the, the answer? Is that too easy? I don't know. I, I, it's still a question for me. None of the the human protagonists in the book end up, it seems, with any but there's real all, authority. There, there's all this posturing to try and gain the authority. Which is right. fighting. It's like moving deck chairs on, on the sinking ship, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it, it's like there there are these people in the Southern Reach organization that is investigating this eruption of Area X that now we're seeing not just – they're not just the shadowy institution – behind this leap into the unknown as they were in Annihilation, but now we're actually in these dank, desperate offices. And, uh, the bureaucrats. It's, it's, yeah. They're, yeah. They're, they're a dinosaur, yeah. uh-huh. old, falling apart, moldering institution. Right, right. You can t- you just, what the floors look like, you've seen yep. it. Yeah, what the computers look like. You've seen the, it. The, the array of time, times that the... That the bugs came from that the that every kind of office yeah. equipment like none of it is that new, all of it is sort of haphazard, and some of it is pretty outdated. Right, and well, there are layers of dust everywhere. Yeah, yeah, well, and despite the fact that this very edifice, this very bureaucracy, is almost melting into the nature on the other side of that border, as it is, where we meet it, because of its nature as an institution, there is. these power struggles going on Mm -hmm. and everyone, no one, you know, it's like most of the people there have signed off. They've given up figuring out what area X is all about. I mean, it's consumed, you know, so many people that they've worked with. It's a great idea that this, um, big weird thing, Uh um, has been happening for so long that people are almost bored with Uh trying to figure it out. Right. That that's brilliant. Well, it is. Cause it, it's uh, it's almost it's like the idea of a big bureaucracy um, fighting like crime, yeah, you know, or fighting terrorism. And or... any any incredible event that seems like a complete uh, world changer uh-huh. becomes absorbed into the narrative of history. Yeah, yeah, and... yeah, and it becomes just something to funnel funds into or to mm-hmm. withdraw funds mm-hmm. from for people to define their careers and the pursuit of. But the idea but, of yet... The the bureaucracy itself and the building, the edifice itself and the complexity of driveways it takes to get into the building, which we're treated to at the very beginning, Uh um, is um, the polar opposite of of Annihilation, where Mm. this was an exciting adventure. These people were were you know pioneers and they were they were just going into the void and it was an adventure story. And this is the opposite or yeah. it feels but, like but it. i felt by the end that uh-huh. we were in basically the same place oh right? absolutely yeah. where yeah. we we were with um somebody way over their head who didn't really know what was going on who right. may have been losing their mind right that that 
journey yeah. is the same one. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, um, I mean, there's a quality that's like uh, germane to Area X that kind of defines Area mm-hmm. X aside from this explosion of, of flora and fauna. It's, um, you know, the desolation of Area X occupies the mind, mm-hmm. like in every sense. And so, I mean, you could say that the people in the Southern Reach, even the people who have not gone into Area X, are polluted conceptually by the idea of this territory that you can explain 150 million mm-hmm. different ways and come to it's going to do what it wants to do. You yeah. could you could say that they've been polluted. You know, there's all this, there are bugs, there's all this pollen flying around. Oh, those rabbits might have been some weird mutant strain that came out of the rabbits that we sent into Area X. Right, and the guards are eating them. Right. And then what happens? Yeah. To the guards. Yeah. Who knows? So like the any kind of like purity or area X free territory that the Southern Reach would seem to need to do its job like thoroughly has been so heavily compromised in the same way that, you know, in the headspace of the biologist in annihilation, you know, I mean, there's so many her character has so many layers of unreliability, as do all the characters. No one knows like everyone's a stranger to themselves. Yeah. And in that same way, there's almost this, you know, we're, well, the control, I'm control and I'm going to come in and clean this up and they've (laughs) fallen by the wayside and this one's against me and this one's with me, but you know. And he's kidding himself. It becomes clear. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And he has no control at all. The the great detail that he comes in with the name control, but it's this childhood nickname. It's not his title. Right. It doesn't, it is not indicative of anything that he does. Yeah. Yeah, well, and but and he was given that nickname. It's like a get smart reference, <laughs> and so he's given that nickname by his grandfather, who is in espionage, and has raised a daughter who is like the perfect spy master, who's like uh, I kept picturing her as a cross between the mom on Archer. That's yes. what we were saying, right? Yeah, and uh, and Angela Lansbury in the Manchurian <laughs> Candidate. Oh <laughs> yes, do you know why? Because Jessica uh, Walter on Archer. Uh-huh. She's evil, but in a banal kind of way. Uh-huh. Angela Lansbury yeah. is horrible. Right, right, right. And so well cast in that role. Yeah. Because she's usually the nice grandma. Well, she's a true believer. She's just decided to sacrifice her child's life in pursuit of, you know. There you go. Bam. Yeah. That's a great uh, mashup you invented sure. there. Yeah. Well, I, you know, there's so many, I feel like, mashups going on in this book. Mm-hmm. I mean, some are obviously more conscious and deliberate than others, but I feel like a case could be made for any juxtaposition we could come up with. Because there are so many genres rubbing up against each other. I'm enjoying a mashup in my mind of the bureaucracy here and our recent experience of the Pale King with the complexity of driveways you know and that, surreal experience. Yes, when yes. I said that earlier, uh-huh. right. I was confusing it uh-huh. with the the bureau <laughs> in the Pale King. Because it's very... Easy to do. Yes. It is very similar. It's very similar. And they're completely different kinds of books. But that, right. But the twisted type of reality that you must actually be bubbling around in in a severely bureaucratic situation right. must give you a kind of feeling. I've never worked in an office for more than a couple of weeks, so uh-huh. I don't really know. Well, and, <laughs> and for the folks at home, The Pale King is a book by David Foster Wallace that uh, that that we covered for Book Circle um, a few weeks ago, and you can find that podcast as well. And that is uh, David Foster Wallace's very literary um, kind of examination of the IRS and the metaphysical subtexts of the tax collector's role. And there are a lot of parallels. I mean, just because it's 
you know, it's set mostly within the confines of this bureaucracy. But, uh, but I, um, I found this, this pulpier approach to the identity <laughs> issues, uh, so much uh, that, you know, that, well, a bureaucracy is basically, it wants to assimilate you because you have very specific functions that you're qualified to fulfill within its confines. It wants to make use of those functions and annihilate anything in you that is contrary to those functions or that might impede your efficiency. Mm -hmm. And if those parts are intractable, then you get flushed out of the bureaucracy. So as much as it's in opposition to Area X, it's almost a mirror of it. In the same way that we're finding mm -hmm. Area X is this kind of like sentient biota, sending spores out into the world, not sentient just... Sentient fecundity. Yeah, yeah. And this is almost like this, this you know, sentient calcification that... Mm -hmm. Ooh, yeah. That's like a, you know, it, it's a mirror and an antithesis. It's it's like trying to do the same thing. But it's it's like the question is, is the Southern Reach cultures like automatic the antibodies it generates to combat the influx of area x is area x the planet's resistance to culture mm -hmm. you know and uh mm -hmm. it, it makes for a very interesting dialectic in any case yeah when they're investigating the contamination zones uh -huh. that were caused by the re-entry of the expedition the of the participants the return the returning participants from the last expedition yeah they went between calling it contamination to then it was a cleansing. Mm. Refer then it was referred to a cleansing later, and that in order to combat the the advancing border that they were trying to recontaminate, uh -huh. the, the recontaminate the cleansing. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, throughout there's, there's a this... weird cleansing thing, like a cleansing uncleansing. Well, and and this question of what cleansing means in yeah. the context of this situation because it like area x like when it erupts it's um it's lack of toxins is the signifier like toxins getting sucked out of the environment means that area x is advancing that more life the border is moving because there's more life right and that is the most terrifying thing imaginable to these mm -hmm. characters it, it's almost like it doesn't, you know, I don't think too much is made of it. It's almost taken as a given that, like, modern civilized people, you know, can define themselves by, you know, how many toxins, you know, they're, uh, they're made of or are being consumed by. Well, uh, what's, <laughs> I think that modern people attempt to do that uh -huh. and they pursue their own cleanses using the exact same word. Um, Constantly, I bet each of you knows at least five people on a cleanse right now. Mm. And a different cleanse uh -huh. to, to one another. Five different cleanses. Right. Yes. Yes. And um, does a coffee enema count? Right. And um, <laughs> see, I'm not going to. I'm not going <laughs> to grace that with an answer. Um, it does. Thank you. Thank you. I knew. Some, <laughs> I knew Mark would. <laughs> um, but they're they're cleansing themselves of the quote toxins, which is this. Ephemeral, meaningless word. Um, in reality, uh -huh. but which people cling to as a as a concrete concept. Yeah, um, when, when our bodies are made up mostly of bacteria, and in fact, uh, you know what we think of as personality or or even spirituality could, through most kind of rigorous scientific assessments, be interpreted as like a, a freak electrical side effect of different communities of filth. 
-hmm. you know, kind mm -hmm. of mingling and, and commun and trying to overpower each other. And um, so isn't Area X a bit like you and me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It almost sounds like a song. Uh-huh. Right? Like you, you and me. And, me. Yeah. Nah, 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 nah. and its biggest weapon, whether yes. it means it or not, is, yes. is doubt. It's, yes. it's people not knowing what it is. Right. There are points where um, our protagonist control seems to just, um, towards the end of the book especially, just mm. gives himself up to the idea of... Um, solving something or right, right. winning something right and he seems to be happier while he seems from the outside desperate and yeah kind of scrabbling along the coastline there yeah he seems to be um a bit more at peace have, have any of you read um the angela carter book the um infernal desire machines of dr Hoffman? oh yeah mm, right fantastic and a similar arc in that in that um it takes place in a sort of contemporary London, but a terrible villain named Dr. Hoffman has set off these, uh, these bombs or has engaged these machines that basically turns most of the world into a surrealistic hellscape where nothing is, can retain its shape for more than 10 minutes. Wow. So, um, so, but he is a detective rigorously using reason to, uh, to mm -hmm. try to follow Hoffman's trail through, you know, a world that, that is, is just, um, Made endlessly protean yeah. and insane. And, uh, at, at like the halfway point in the story, he kind of, um, he gets diverted. He's trying to save his own life to continue the investigation and ends up on a raft with this family of boat people for a hundred pages <laughs> and lets go of the hunt entirely and but kind of like finds himself like who he is at the end of that journey is someone who can cross the threshold of Dr. Hoffman and confront that madness. Reason won't get him over that threshold. Right. And right. and uh, well, yeah, yeah, and here control is a Reason is his is his um, calling card. It is it is his methodology. It right. is how he works, as it had been with the biologist in uh -huh. Annihilation, and he attempts to and he says you know he interprets this biologist's responses in a logical way, um, is sensitive to her moods and backs off and stops and is very very reasonable and logical in how he is trying to pursue this stuff finds out you know figures out right away that grace is his enemy uh, for not uh, no reason that well, he understands but well that's does he figure that out or is that i mean his assumption i mean she's definitely like because I, I kept as much as i was with him in mm -hmm. kind of expecting her to be an antagonist at first mm -hmm. it seemed like he kept making like preemptive hostile maneuvers mm. that she was reacting mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. Like his paranoia, I think, you know, becomes like more Created and more of an issue. Thing. Yeah, yeah. So she's definitely has issues because he's, you know, ostensibly there to replace the director. Yeah, and she knows so much more about what's well, going on. Right. And she's yeah. and it's secret, so she can't really like blab about that. But the truth is she knows like everything. Right. And he's being appointed as the director. Yeah. And that just has to And all the time it feels in so many ways that he's the patsy. Yeah. Yeah. He's he he's he's not there to um to boss them around. Right. He, he's there for some some other purpose well, that, and, that he doesn't know about. Yeah, and that yeah. you know, in a best case scenario, even if they aren't malevolently arrayed against him, he's just passing through mm -hmm. and as messed up as these people are, there's this sense that they've 
experience things that like someone who's just passing through should be protected from. Mm -hmm. huh, interesting. You know? Yeah, she does become Maybe, yeah. rather mm -hmm. more sympathetic halfway through. Right. Um, when we find out how close she was with the director. Right. And um, how dismayed she is by everything. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and and uh, on the on the paranoia tip, I uh, like I'm I'm finding like prolonged exposure to Area X, even as a concept, seems to blur blur people's ability to distinguish yes. from Thus, like between memory and experience and imagination. Well, and hypnotism. Yeah, as he finds out, right. figures out. Oh, from my recordings. And you're like, what recordings? Uh -huh. Oh, he's been recording himself on the phone. Right. And then realizes that he's been having these fugue states. Because yeah. Because he has been. Which hit. is just, to me, just a marvelous scene. And I love I, it. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I loved the suggestion in Annihilation. I'm glad that it's getting played out more here. The suggestion that this whole sort of espionage service like hinges on, you know, the hypnotism and the layers of personality and cover identities. Yes. And uh, it's like the ultimate espionage, and um, and the fact that uh, like that he he is uh, he's control. We we know what his name is, but he goes by control. Um, his conflict is with Grace, but we know her mainly as the assistant director. He gets his orders from the voice. Uh, it, it's like this this uh, this thing that um, in Annihilation of biologist and psychologist and anthropologist this like effacing of self so that you can come naked to this experience defined purely by your function. It's almost like um, that that's, that's just an, like an occupational hazard. I mean, it made sense as something that will keep you sane mm -hmm. if you're in a place because you know, this, this location can send tendrils wriggling through your memory and, you know, feel up your, you know, unborn child, you know, like through the Southern reach. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. As it were. Uh. Um, but that, uh, that this effacement of identity is, I mean, there's, there's, um, that's just how, that's just how they operate. Now I want to go back to yeah, something because we were talking about grace and his relationship with grace, which is interesting and pivotal throughout. Mm -hmm. Um, you were saying that she knows so much. She knows everything. Does she know ultimately about the upstairs room in the closet and Whitney would be in the whole thing that's happening up there, do you think? Oh, no, I don't think so. I was like, I, that was hyperbole. I think gotcha. it's most, most that she has like the closest thing anyone, anyone around there. I will especially, right. sorry, compared to, compared to control. Right. She's had so much experience, at least very strong firsthand, secondhand, mm -hmm. like, first, second hand, whatever you'd call the closest second hand experience you could have to somebody like first hand experience with someone who actually did go to area X. Well, like, twice, you know, uh, she yeah. went in and then she came out and then she did the expedition Yeah, right. and she understands what the, uh, you know, that the 12th expedition wasn't the 12th expedition. Yeah. She knows a lot. There's and there's been hundreds of them. Yeah. yeah. And then, and he's, and you know, so I guess, but yeah, she doesn't, I don't think she knows about, because I don't think, I think these, I mean, these portals are opening up and fizzing and they're growing on their own. I mean, Whit, Whitby, I don't think it's a collusion or anything. I mean, she may or may know, may or may not know about it. She may or may not. By the time don't we know, it, we, it's obvious it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's yeah. too late. Yeah. It doesn't matter what yeah. Grace knows. Things are breaking point. through and uh -huh. it's yeah, like... The bureaucracy kind of has, has dissolved. Yeah. Not in fact, but in our minds as 
as a, a player here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's not in it's it's not in control of itself or well, anything. And when it does dissolve, like the chain of command dissolved in annihilation, um, I think it's interesting that the uh, the horrors of that dissolution are always things that we hear about from this side of that transformation, from this human side. When we see people mm-hmm. stepping into that absolute consumption by Area X, it's rapture. You know, it's him jumping into a wormhole. Uh-huh. It's Control jumping into a wormhole at the end. It's Which he just described in the ex- excerpt you read from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was wondering, you guys, because... Mm-hmm. I was wondering with okay, so Area X being being this zone mm-hmm. where it's it's extremely intriguing. It's clearly extremely dangerous. They keep sending expeditions. There hardly anyone comes. Hardly anyone, if anyone comes comes back alive. It's quite possible that the people who do come back are only repl- replicants, and mm-hmm. and it's clearly extremely dangerous and and mostly just very unknown thing to do that's what they're trying to figure out like trying to learn things about this kind of did mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah kind of right but what <laughs> my question was is did you guys feel yourself attracted like would you want to go to area x like if you were in the milieu where you maybe could work toward that opportunity or have that opportunity would you want to go on an expedition to area x or would you be like hells no mm-hmm. it would depend on what the world is that i was living at the, at the time this clearly takes place you know, in some future where things are, there's there there are small illusions, not so much in this book, but in the first one, mm-hmm. about what you know what the rest of the world was was facing and what it was like, and I and it always felt like the present to contemporary. Me, me too. Yeah. Would it? But I'd love to hear what you were thinking. Yeah. What you to noticed? Me, the, the ancient smartphone suggests a near future. Uh huh. Right. The smartphone a near is described future. as really old-fashioned. But uh-huh. there were, oh, there were right. allusions in the first book to yeah. environmental disasters. And perhaps those are things we've already Yeah, I just okay. assumed that they're... Yeah, that they're right. right. Um, so, yeah, that's an interesting question, Kate. Um, I would, yes. Yeah, I think, yes. I think yeah. the curiosity um, becomes so much a problem when, you're, when this is your life's work. And he talks about people, you know, you dedicate your whole life to trying to figure out this... Uh, anomaly and yeah. you don't but it, yeah. what kind of curse is that yeah and he he acknowledges that when he's when he's taken to see the portal the door that he was drawn he was drawn toward it and he was right. depending on the people in, around him to pull him back or in, the lasers to cut him off increasingly the the psychologist the 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 previous director yeah. who is seen as someone who went crazy I think as we go on, we see she's someone who was just taking all these steps to try and figure something out, which has a personal um, interest to her, yes. yeah. her own childhood. And so I don't see her by the end of the book as someone who just lost it as as much as someone who exhausted all possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and possibly she... went native, yeah, um, which is what the biologist... Well, I think that's what all these characters are ending up are, doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and control, you know, I think, you know, he that's his process to dissect things and to analyze things. And it's almost like the structure of the Southern Reach is an expression of, like, the climax of that structure when faced with the unknowable, where it just mm-hmm. starts eating its own tail and consuming itself and rarefying itself in weird little cubbies and vents. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that... Um, that the purpose of all that analysis is uh, so that you can 
feel the real rush of mystery when you are actually confronted with something that cannot be analyzed. Mm -hmm. That is not just beyond your, you know, the reach of your instruments, but by its very nature, like consumes you the longer you contemplate it. And, uh, so I feel like everyone's like reaching, you know, the climax of their search. We're, you know, we, we hear accounts of, you know, horrible violence and people being destroyed. But I, I mean, we saw, you know, terrible things happening to, uh, to the psychologist and some form of her has emerged from the mist mm -hmm. to, uh, <laughs> to take, to take her lady friend into, uh, into a, uh, some kind of eternity of um, boundless botanical horror. Did it, 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 there's an unexpected romance with Grayson. Mm -hmm. Well, with her and, and with, uh, and with control and the biologist. Yeah. yeah. They end up diving into a hole, into a hole, into the, <laughs> well, into another dimension together. Yeah. <laughs> well, and there's an, there's a concrete allusion to that when, when he recalls, he is forced to recall an unfortunate um, experience that he had had on a previous mission where he had gotten too close to a source yeah. and she mm. ended up being killed because yeah. of it. Then we know what's going to happen. Uh -huh. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> it's, well, it's, it's kind of heavy-handed foreshadowing, except that it doesn't, it doesn't follow the same path. No. Um, no. Well, yeah, and the biologist herself, like, how is she going to, I mean, you know, she in, basically, like, sort of invites him to come, come along. Like, just... Get rid of your gun. Like, it reminded me of the last scene in Splash. Yeah. When the helicopters are coming in and the mermaid is like, just grow gills and come with me. Yeah. yeah. And he goes. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Simple Aww. solution. Right? It was Nothing left for him here. was crazy spy master mother and, you know. <laughs> and, you know, Daryl Hannah. I uh -huh. mean, right? Yeah, right. Right. Uh -huh. And then uh, there's the biologist with her crazy green eyes and the big ridge of muscle. Well, and and interesting, like, yes, that uh, <laughs> that our first, um, yes. He likes her. The first time we see her, the first time we receive a physical description of her is in this book, in the interrogation chamber. Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, in that, in that unselfed, hypnotized zone of who she was and those other characters in Area X, there were no physical descriptions. It was unnecessary. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but here it's uh, it's interesting that it starts off in a place where it's almost like grounding all the abstracts that were fractalizing uh -huh. in the previous book. Uh -huh. But then it, it's just, it's like... Well, appearing to ground them. Appearing to ground them, right. yeah. The, the trick. Yeah. Right. He goes back to his childhood home, the town he grew up in. Right. Oh, this is oh also very normal. Uh -huh. He speaks with his mother regularly. Right. You know... But no, um, and and um, so that everything is fraught. I mean, he goes for a run in his old hometown, and it's uh -huh. like at any moment you're expecting anything to happen. Right, right, right. Well, yeah, and I think in once it's been established, and uh, something else um, in here that reminded me of uh, the Paul Oster books, the mm -hmm. New York trilogy, is the the delicate and uh, uh, meta aspect of it how like the repeated references to the um you know the 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 sheet of prose that's eating through everyone's mind that uh -huh. grows out of the walls and 
you know, and, and the, uh, the journals that, that there are more journals than there were journeys and these, uh, you know, passages and these books are somehow alive and that, you know, that we still have the, I mean, the first book was one of these journals and that's still alive in our head and how it's affecting our perceptions and, and the way that, uh, that this thing, you know, when, when people mysteriously disappear from area X and they resurface in some place that was important to them. So it's, you know, it's like, it's this, this, uh, this big botanical mess is. It's the internet. It's the internet. (laughs) I I say that, but Uh but in terms of, you know, this endless development of of tubes. Well, well, then it can extend its moss through associational matrices that are, you know, do not hinge on locality. And. And the way in which, you know, a modern existence, we're completely overwhelmed with words. Uh-huh. There is a horror in this feeling that you need to read all these words and you can't read all these words. And, when, and these words might mean nothing, even though and they also, seem to mean something. Yeah, and also, just like, just like the words might not be coming from everywhere, they're coming through the internet. It's like how these words on the walls are not the, it's almost the fact that their words are obscuring the real message, which is the, t- the, yeah. the, the, the material that they're right. made from. Right, between the and words, there's something yeah. else happening. Yeah, it's like we spend our time with the internet, for example, and whatever it carries to us. And, and we're, we think it's the words. And this ties in uh. with the, with the hip- hypnotism <laughs> aspect yeah. in the book. And uh-huh. how banal phrases are actually very dangerous right yeah i can't wait for the third book yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. right um this was very satisfying to go from the expedition me too to Um, the organization that's actually arranging this stuff yeah and how crazy it is organization in the most most degraded sense of the word yeah well and i i loved it uh to me it felt like um the sort of uh, the David Lynch um, uh, Blue Rose FBI agents in Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that there's like a vast uh, bureaucracy of uh, people in serious people in suits staring into uh, into this like churning abyss of the unknowable and making judgments and making arrests and uh, and disappearing <laughs> into it occasionally. And uh, but interesting in that, um, you know, David Lynch with his sort of you know, Norman Rockwell surrealism posits that organization as like, you know, as, as justice, mm-hmm. that there's some kind of moral order to the universe that will be put right by people like this, who, you know, who might, there might be uh-huh. Buddhists, but they, you know, they like a slice of cherry pie, you know, it's like in a cup of coffee. Whereas. Well, because he's such a straight character. Yeah. And, yeah. And there is a, a kind of moral compass to that show because of him other things that yes i thought of with um the, the southern reach where the um john le carre's novels the, the right the came <gasps> in from yes, the yes 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 you think it's, La- it's these layers. people are the ones who are really secretly controlling the cold war but they're just men in rooms smoking cigarettes with Having with a brain and ultimately they're going to get double crossed by another guy and there's going to be another guy and, right. and, be another and guy. sleeping right. with each other's wives and right. making fatal mistakes. Having, yeah. having family issues. Yeah. 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 Um, and uh, and all I mean, all the issues that those guys are going through in those stories in the gutters of espionage, you mm-hmm. know, like the real life gutters of espionage instead of the, you know, propaganda James Bond surface mm-hmm. of espionage. Right. Like what they're going through, these are all 
from various different angles, maybe the sorrows of individuality mm -hmm. and feeling like there is some kind of order that needs to be preserved. Right. And that you, you know, that there's some, you know, like ethical substance in you punching the clock every day and doing all the and, paperwork. And sacrificing your individuality. Yeah. Because, yeah, that's what gets in the way in the Jean Le Carre books. Even right. though they're always brilliant indi individuals. Right. But they're... But, but they're so human, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, but, and, you, and the, you get the feeling that when someone, like, acquiesces to the assimilation of Area X, I, I keep feeling like they're rewarded in some way. That, yeah, it's a relief. Yeah, even. yeah, yeah. Whereas, I mean, you're sacrificing your individuality in a bureaucracy like, you know, like the Southern Reach or like the MI5, where um, you're you're sacrificing your individuality strategically, um, you know, perhaps patriotically, but you want to advance. You know, or he's always talking about his career. Yeah, yeah, and, and the blunders, <laughs> and you get the feeling that he is just a loser with a capital L, uh -huh. and and is haunted by every mistake he's ever made, and that's that's like hit home by his mother. Right. Although he doesn't say it that way, he uh -huh. says he says, "Oh, she's helped me every time." Right. You know. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it, but <laughs> that's like Lawrence Harvey in the Manchurian Candidate. Right. Who, you know, is who's actually, you know, is not respected by his men, has a total like upper crust, like prick uh, sort of personality and sucks as an officer. But, you know, but he's uniquely cracked because of the way that she's raised him is a perfect wind up puppet. And, uh, you know, and and um, he can be painted as a war hero as long as. All the other guys who were there are brainwashed. I mean, I, I didn't even mention when I was sort of going over the characteristics of Area X that you would be agreeing to if you decided that you were going to go there. I mean, violent atrocities and some really unspeakable horrors have also been reported. Like, it's not just like, you know, not like we, going we to space. Blood, <laughs> bloody yeah. staircases. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and human yeah. combat, human, human horrifying human and and a human and unknown creature so, horror so, yeah, so, terror, but I'd want to go too. That's so why the, that was weird. Well, it means something, you know. The, the like, violence that we that we saw the traces of in the lighthouse, yeah, in the first book. Do we have any more perspective on that now? It, it was almost like they were. They were under siege. Is it, right. Were the humans under siege from right. Area X or, or, or something else? I, I feel like, I, I mean, just more suspense has been built about that. Yeah. Because, okay, so we know a little bit more about the lighthouse keeper. We know that... That the psychologist slash director was a child there. Yeah. yeah. And that, that part for me was totally intriguing and right. says that, yeah, something happened at that lighthouse right. beside, you know, before... Yeah. Area X started, perhaps, yeah. or perhaps it emanated from there, or something. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and to me, that's just super interesting. Yeah, yeah. And there's also more conflict between the the dual the dual identities of Area X as a pristine place and uh, as this hor violent. horrifying place. Yeah. Well, and and what you know. What? How, what? <laughs> well, the disintegration of the bodies of the of the Expedition Twelve in in the first book, right. down in the tunnel, right? Or the, down in the tower. Sorry. Yeah. Um, you know that's horrible and violent too, but yeah. we don't quite know. Well, and a lot of people who've been who seem to have been subjected to you know terrible violence. We, I mean, we've seen these replicas of them resurface. We've seen them in, yeah. in other forms, and so. 
you know, so so rightly control, you know, like he sees the replica of the director and, you know, doesn't there's, you know, there's no philosophical speculation is how much of the director is that he just writes her off that, OK, Ari X has grown a replica of the director mm -hmm. to inveigle grace. But um, but he's sporting with a replica of the biologist and following her somewhere. And I think, I mean, if to take this kind of biota concept, you know, like as, as like a, a possible key to Area X, it's, you know, something is reclaiming all organic matter and all of the delusions that organic matter is heir to that makes organic matter so often so very unhappy. Yeah. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> and all those things are like part and parcel of the espionage business. Like all those, all those things that make us most unhappily human are what yeah. constructs like that run on and what, the, and what they're made mm -hmm. of. And their vision of the human is what... You know, we have to yeah. be spying on this person. We need these secrets. We have to keep these secrets. It's um, a jungle doesn't keep any secrets from itself. Multiple universes are alluded to quite often in the book. Not that mm -hmm. they're saying that this is about multiple universes, but the concept is brought up at least five times. Well, and and so, and, and the idea, and it goes, it, yeah, literally expresses the idea of like, there, you know, we're, we have one option here, but if we took that other option, it's happening in another universe over there. And if it seems like maybe there are multiple universes, then maybe if you did kill each other and decompose horribly and be subsumed by a giant pig slug or something like that, maybe it doesn't mean what we always thought it exactly. would mean here right. in the world we've ooh, known ooh, to live in. Right. Thought. <laughs> So if we do have these multiple universes, as you say, are alluded to in the book, maybe that's why there are more journals in the lighthouse. Maybe there are other right. expeditions from other universes. And there's like a locus or well, overlapping yeah, stuff going nexus, on. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And up, yeah. In, up in Maine, in the in the cove, we're at the end. That's another like wormhole into something. So right. that's why that explains why there might be several um, versions of of a person. Yeah, mm -hmm. precisely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's Indeed. not creating them. They're just. Right. Yeah, and they're too. They're they're. We never thought of them as as like getting in each other's way or being uh -huh, uh -huh. so weirdly right. close to close to each other. We always thought of them being like someplace we'd never know about, yeah. and instead they're all like getting up in the getting up in our face. Indeed, so um, to speak. <laughs> and so Saul Evans, so this lighthouse keeper who previously had been in uh, a preacher, an evangelist of some kind. I'm hoping. I mean, I feel like we'll certainly find out more about him in the next book. I hope we get to hear his sermons because I feel like they're not normal. Yes. Um, <gasps> and uh, what is I, want, I want book well, three to yeah. be um, a thousand <laughs> years in the future. Uh -huh. This apocalyptic like, event has happened where the whole world is just this jungle. Yes. And there, there he is yeah. in a big robe uh -huh. just talking. Yeah. And the whole book is his <laughs> garbled, <laughs> nonsensical sermon. Oh, and we boy. read it. And by the end of it, we are hypnotized into a strange fugue state, and the whole planet is changed by book three of this trilogy, which he has set us up for. Well, Dan, come on, what Jeff! An, if, what an artistic uh, achievement no, that would be! Yeah, well, it certainly would. And that I, would be worthy of awards, yeah, wouldn't it? I and I some kind of an award. Yeah, um, and if Vandermeer doesn't go there, then then we should. You know what it's called? <laughs> it's called fanfic, uh -huh. Jason. Right. Um, and then change the names in your Fifty Shades of Grey, and it. Jeff Vandermeer's kids have to wash your car. But I love this idea that... <laughs> Wait, that <laughs> what? 
I love this idea that um, <laughs> that the, the words can hypnotize us, uh-huh. and that there is the the a lot of the words in the book have subtext. I um I'm curious at, at what point an author can do that to a reader. At what point can an yeah. author tell us a story uh-huh. um, through another story? Doesn't point... every good author do that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, completely. Um, but at what point can you be so subliminal that you yes. come away thinking, oh, my God, that um, strange shadowy character right. was a perfect and someone else says that character wasn't even mentioned in the book. Yeah, right. okay. You know? now, that's that's an interesting question. And, it, and uh, I mean, I, I feel like, I mean, part part of the majesty of what's happening here is uh is how i feel like it you know there's a fully worked out history and backstory Mm. that is submerged yes and i would almost be more satisfied um rather than getting all the backstory in part three i i feel like i mean we could get none of those answers Mm -hmm. and as long as this tone is sustained yeah, I mean, like we could get a book like the one you described, and as long as the right notes are hit poetically to mm-hmm. make a kind of poetic sense of what's happening, it would be you know like even more satisfying than yeah. some traditional. Because in a way, world. where we are, um, we're dealing with something unknowable, uh-huh. and and if it yeah. can be made tangible in a way that makes complete sense to us, uh-huh. there will be disappointment with that. I yeah. agree. Yeah, right. I can't see him doing that. It's the challenge. No, no I know, neither can I. Right. Right. But he's going to do something. Yeah. We have, we have really faith su- in you. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm really excited to find out. Yeah. Well, and, and I did not see what, in this book, I did, what the things that transpired, I did not see them coming. Uh-huh. Even with the heavy foreshadowing, which as soon as things started unfolding, I was like, well, duh. They mm. only hit it at that a bunch of times, but I still didn't know what but was going to But the other happen. thing with that is that it's a, it's a book filled with foreshadowing How? in a hundred right. ways. Right. Yeah. 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 And, so yeah. and things aren't what they seem. Well, and not, yeah. not everything that's foreshadowing foreshadowed can unfold because there's eight million foreshadowments yeah right. and like i was saying he he's walking around the town of headley and it's like anything can happen yeah. but nothing really does right yeah. well <laughs> and, yeah. yeah and you know yeah. and it's gotten and as you know as um as that as those lines get more jumbled am i remembering this is am i imagining this is this a dream was i mm-hmm. hypnotized by this prose yeah yeah it's uh, those questions abide, and also, and I, and I was loving. I kept catching little bouncing images, like like uh, you know, he mentions um, Cheney, uh, his jack, his jacket being like uh, the carapace yeah. of a mm-hmm. beetle, mm-hmm. and, then and so is the uh, shell of the uh, of the director's cell phone. Yes. yes. And so I'm waiting for a third one, you know, for it not well, to be there accidental. Is, there is a beetle that the right. biologist crushes. Yeah. And it starts this... To uh, put out of its misery. Right. And we, it, they, they just sprayed insecticide Contaminated. Here. I can smell it. You can see the hint of foam on its carapace. It disorients them as it kills them. They can't breathe because of it. They become what you might call panicked. They keep searching for a way to get away from what's already inside of them. Hmm. Toward the end, they settle down, but that's only because they don't have enough oxygen to move anymore. Which could be control. Yeah. And, Absolutely. And so many little, like, like if the gaze is led, you know, towards any particular detail of this natural world that's presented, you'll find a swirling model of the narrative, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's this, you know, like, it seems like this, uh, this... This narrative has a holographically accurate anatomy. I agree completely. Mm-hmm. The the climax of which is 
when when Whitby reaches out and touches the back of his neck. Yeah. And he is in this room, and Whitby's like grown into part of the shelf and is part plant and part right animal of some kind. And, yeah. Um, well, and and he's looking at at Whitby's narrative model of of the story he's in, and you know, it's exactly what you said. Yeah, and it's this total micro macro thing where, just whenever you feel that shiver in the text, you want to look over your shoulder and see who's reading you, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and that's you know because that that meta thing can just be so easily cute, but when it hits that note that just right. reverberates, it was so hor- horrifying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> too uh, like and you know yeah. Jeff Vandermeer you can tell has great I mean uh, he's he has the books are beautifully designed he has beautifully designed books he has great like he does great imagery and uh, just great art in his own work so he knows what he's describing these horribly like like lurid badly painted but and then with the pixelated blow-ups of the face because this person <laughs> can't paint this person can't do art this person is just moved right. like they have they're depicting this thing that's just eating its way out of them with and they have they're doing what they can and it's that horrible like horrible overwrought painting. well in Whitby's defense I mean I was I was picturing like a Joel Coleman tableau and I I, I thought you know. No, oily globs and like the really strong, relentless colors and the pixelated faces pasted on because he doesn't know how to paint people's faces. He has no painting skill whatsoever. I want Whitby to be a good artist, so I'm going to imagine it okay. my way. Okay. I, I, was, I was a bit more generous with my reading. Oh my God. I saw something horrible. <laughs> he, he could at least... But I loved it though because it was so me, it well was, described. It was more just the terrifying nature of it okay. that everyone's face the fact, well, well, the fact and the that, compulsive yeah. detail the terrifying yeah. part yeah. is the fact that someone is hidden away in this secret room and painted these yeah. things and yeah. he's still there he's well, still there the calls are coming from inside the house right yeah, yeah. and the thing and, and the thing is <laughs> no one's seen him for a while <laughs> well, and I, and I feel like, I mean, control is wrestling with himself. How do we address this? How do we, uh, do I bring this up to grace? We, we'll have to get Whitby some help. Too late. Well, it's too yeah. late. And also, I feel like, I feel like everyone knows he's doing this. I feel like. Well, he, they, if they do know it, they know it doesn't matter. Well, uh, that he's, he's doing his bit. Like, yeah. that's, like, everyone is trying to deal with with area x uh-huh. in their own way they've all uh, under the director's leadership have come to realize that dealing with it in any conventional way is useless mm-hmm. and that she has to keep sending people in there because they they make her yeah and uh and that that isn't doing any good and she she has to she like starts going in there herself to you know mm-hmm. figure out how to maybe keep people from disappearing yeah, pre, pre-set the thing yeah um but that she in her office and with all her files and her weird little mouse talismans and her uh-huh. plants and everything, like she's she's dealing with Area X in her way. In a way that isn't that far removed from what, what we might find ourselves doing. Right. Yeah, let's bring that. this plant out and see what happens. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, and just, let's I mean. try and make notes of things. Maybe we miss something. Right. Let's write everything down. Yeah. 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 Let's keep this. Let's keep this. I have let's a question. This. Go ahead. What do you all think? Is going on with the rotting honey smell? Oh my god, good question. Because honey doesn't even really rot very easily. Honey is a natural preservative. It's all true. Mm. Now, um, thoughts? Rotting honey. 
No, uh, not the not, yes. not ju- that it's rotting honey per yes. se, but the fact that he keeps noticing this. Oh, that cleaning yeah. agent is horrible. I have to talk to the janitor. He says that a hundred thousand times. Yeah, which is right. clearly, it's clearly not the cleaning product that the janitor is using. Or right. if it is, it's uh, it's something. Now, one yeah, thing that something. occurred to me is: is this? Um, you know how when um, people have seizures, uh-huh. sometimes they smell something right beforehand. Uh-huh. Um, they smell oranges. Or right. There's this. There's this sensory thing that happens. Uh-huh. Now, is this perhaps indicative of of hi- the hypnotism? Uh-huh. Yeah. Like when he smells it right before or right after he's been hypnotized. Right. The hypnosis. That's a, that's a good a good theory. Also, I think at times when I was reading it, I kept I I kept having I wondering if like uh, if the Southern Reach building hadn't already been consumed and that this yes. was some kind of honeycomb yeah. confection. Is this, that, is this the smell ooh, of, of area yeah. X? Yeah, yeah. And that no one else can smell it because it's, they're all, you know. They've yeah. always been there. Today. Yeah. Right, right. Um, but, uh, yeah, but then with this, um, with, the, with the parallel universe uh, theory colliding with the biota theory i like the way that the parallel universe thing just becomes a way um once he accepts the theory from from whitby Mm -hmm. that it becomes a way to describe his emotional experience yeah like there there are a hundred versions of me running away yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah. Uh uh-huh right yeah um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which makes him seem especially brave for standing on the spot. Yeah, right? and foolish. also you can yeah. you could still own your personality as being probably I'm actually running away, really, because yeah. only one time out of so many this am is, I the one doing it, this. It's a very healthy way to think about yourself. <laughs> yeah. I I could run away. Uh-huh. I, I could I could be dealing with this in a hundred ways that are worse. Yeah, yeah. I'm not doing the worst thing. Right. Yeah. Right. I might be doing a bad thing. <laughs> right. But there, there's a version of me. Doing an even worse one. Uh-huh. Is, yeah. yeah. Falling off a cliff right now. Jumping well, off a cliff yeah. into the abyss. Right. Uh, you know, saying something racist on Twitter. Um, that passage about uh, him reading the theories about what Area X could be um, as if they're different diagnoses, like slow death by parallel universe, slow death by alien <laughs> invasion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's cute. Um, yeah. Because I, at this point, if you're writing a piece of science fiction, you uh-huh. have to acknowledge that people have not only read lots of science fiction, but have seen lots of these tropes played out in movies and television. Right. right. And the, that the the idea of someone coming to something that is vaguely mysterious yeah. is yeah. so familiar to us. Right. You're in dangerous territory. Right. As, as appealing as it is, I think um, it's one of those things I'm very comfortable in. I, okay, I'm, I'm with you. Uh-huh. You're going to put some guy in a mysterious situation and there's going right. to be strange things moving around. I'm with you. But there's a point where you're in dangerous territory because you have to step up your game. You yeah. have to do something. Well, and, and I feel like uh, he raises the bar and totally you know, like plays the game to its utmost by delicately keeping it in this space mm-hmm. where here are all these science fictional possibilities that you might be familiar with. But these are all metaphors for something that's happening to the body. Or no, maybe the text you're reading. Mm-hmm. Or maybe the concept of authority. Or, may, you know, like culture. Like yeah. it's Nature on Earth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, but keeping that open is, you know, like it, it's the... Yeah. There's no, I don't think there's going to be a deranged speech from, say, the lighthouse keeper in the third one uh-huh. who's saying... 
The planet was angry at what we were doing to it. Many of my people had fallen. Yes. You must come to realize uh. it is not our planet anymore. <laughs> I love that. Um, that would be that would be a great contest um, to have uh, shitty endings to the Southern Reads trilogy. <laughs> Perhaps we can attach that to our to our iTunes. Uh, yeah, totally. Um, thing. Yeah. Well, and speaking of iTunes, um, if uh, if you all are listening to Book Circle Online. Which you plainly are. Which you plainly are. If you're if you're not, then this uh, then my everything I'm saying. Yes, there's a parallel universe where you're listening to me right we now. Can, if they're not listening, we can just talk about them. Okay, right. Yeah. So yeah. I don't have to criticize anyone's fashion. No, you're right. no certainly not. not. But not look at thing. you. Um, no, just kidding. look inside. Look inside, and when you're done looking inside, look at iTunes, and uh, and download um, download Book Circle online. Off of iTunes and uh, and comment about it. Why don't you like it, comment about it, or you can hate it. Tell us uh, what we could be doing better to more incisively and beautifully. Comments, and, comments, don't and passionately yes. embrace the books that you love. What books would you like to see us cover? What books would you uh, like to see us destroy? Because uh, we do that. Yeah, see? We, yeah, we and definitely what al- what alternate endings can uh-huh. you supply us with for that, the books? Like, that that's a good one. Yeah. Jason's got a whole book full of endings for this. Uh huh. Right. Totally. <laughs> He's got it right in front of him. Okay. Now. Look, it could be anything really. Um, <laughs> I can't read it. It's a strange. The door story. has always been there and would always, but it wiggles the more you look at it. Insulated. <laughs> um, so, uh, any uh, any closing thoughts on the glory of authority? I loved the ending. I am. Um, I couldn't have imagined a better ending mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. I'm completely satisfied and excited um, that she knows she's not the, the original person. She is definitely a replicant or something like that. She mm. knows this, and yet there's some essentialness of that person in her. Yeah, He's intrigued by that. He wants to protect her. They're both running from the authorities. You see the big black SUVs, you know, uh-huh. like... like but it's like isn't it? half-hearted <laughs> SUVs. As he says, right. if they really cared, there'd be thousands of them. Yes. Well, because they're it's being pursued by, like, it. lights and eruptions of, like, <laughs> of new area Xs. Right. So there's, there's the authority after them. Yeah, yeah everything's yeah. happening. Yes. Yeah. And so to me that just the two running off into the abyss together and who knows what's going to happen i love it yeah me yeah. myself indeed yeah. yeah copy that right when does book three come out uh in september, september. so soon yeah everyone's so everyone's to read the first two <laughs> yes and, every uh, yeah please if uh yeah if you're just jumping on here and uh and you have not read annihilation get in there and this is turning out to be uh yes a a marvelous and uh, and and kind of um, and I was going to say uh, an inversion of the Lovecraft equation, not just something um, separate from the Lovecraft equation, but the Lovecraft equation. Um, Will you uh, uh, elucidate the Lovecraft equation, please? Um, uh, confronted with unnameable horrors, confronted with the uh, the uh, yes, the profound interconnectedness of all living things, mm-hmm. and the kind of. Squamous interpenetration of all of our, you know, biomorphic hyper anatomies and the things that occur to someone in the midst of a spontaneous Kundalini yoga experience 
Lovecraft to the shriveling, you know, spinster uh, guy in his uh, in his little basement with the typewriter. He sees this, and through the scrim of of his own fucked up uh, background, he sees horror okay. and something that should be shrunk from. So ah. he sees the biota very clearly, and uh, but it's it's a song of horror. Yeah, I would say this is the inverse of that. Yeah, because despite the atrocities occurring around the rim of this thing, I feel like that multiplicity is uh, is embraced. There's always something lit. beautiful, no matter how creepy it is. Yeah. Um, and it's whether we've been culturally groomed to see the beauty of nature and regard it as precious. Um, here in the United States, anyway, the, everybody remembers the crying Indian with the single tear. Sure. Um, seeing the litter by the side of the road. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I remember it. I remember Thank it too. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, I remember it. Okay, don't litter. Um, I, I thought he was he was looking at a smallpox blanket, <laughs> like covering <laughs> covering his dead child. I thought that's what the tear was about. I'm I'm remembering it wrong. You're going back a century. Okay. <laughs> and a half. Uh huh. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Um, and, and so th- I think they're just the fact that it's nature uh-huh. out of control is imbues it with a beauty that yeah. we can't help but feel. Yeah, so indeed. So if it was concrete, we would be scared. I might be. Sure. I don't think I'd want to go to the Southern Reach if it well, was Well, if the Southern Reach building was consuming, you know, like the, the, right. the coast. Right, bureaucracy. Yeah. I know, because it's like what people control. Right. Concrete, bureaucracy. Like, look what that is. Like, this is an elaborate, like, high-level organization, which has really, like, if any brain at all, it's mostly just, like, People jockeying for position and responding to a perception of authority and not much is getting done and a lot of people are getting killed. Whereas on the <laughs> other side of it, everybody this, gets killed. But there's this unknown force with like all this like there's possibility. never seen. Yeah, hmm. just mad possibility. Right, right. Possibility, fecundity. Yeah. And the idea that nature is not just um, a bunch of bugs and dirt and that the mind belongs to culture. The idea that like our memories and our thoughts. Ah, belong to nature. nature. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and culture uh-huh. is another natural word. Yeah. Yeah. An aberration, oh. you know, like a culture that occludes nature. Or, is, a, or yeah. a benign culture like acidophilus, uh-huh. which, mm. you know, um, flourishes in your gut uh-huh. uh, to digest things and which you kill off when you take antibiotics. You have to ingest yogurt and or little acidophilus pills oh. to refurbish the cultures growing in your um, small and <coughs> large intestine. That was beautiful. <laughs> that was beautiful. Thank you. You brought it all back to the body. And 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 what do you think about the book? I'm kind of hypnotized at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Just thinking about the space between your small and large intestine and how much yogurt should go there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so, yeah, so Mark's hypnotized, and uh, as are we all. Uh, this has been uh, a wonderful journey into authority by the brilliant Jeff Vandermeer. Jeff, keep it coming. Um, I'm Jason Squamata. This has been Book Circle Online, uh, and as always, I'm here with... Pat Janowski. Mark Savage. Kate Fanker. Yes, um, and... Uh, our uh, enchanting sound engineer, Abigail Rincon, is also in the house. Woo-hoo! Thank you so much Ow! for your help. And, uh, yeah, so uh, get us off of uh, YouTube. Get us off of the Book Circle Online website, bookcircleonline.com. Get us off the iTunes. Comment, hither and yon. Share us with your friends. 
we're just getting this party started. We're going to rip open every book you ever heard about, and we're going to just stain it with the musk of our longing. Yeah. Wow. Ah. Now I'm hypnotized. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll bet you didn't know the books could be so sexy, but they are, and, uh, and we'll be waiting for you. Come back and see us at the book circle. From managing editor Jason Squamata, executive producers Maria Menunos, Phil Svitek, and Kevin Undergaro, we would like to thank you for tuning in to Book Circle Online. For more discussion, go to bookcircleonline.com. And if you have comments, questions, or book title suggestions, write us at info at bookcircleonline.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this is Book Circle Online. BCO, join the circle.